Hello, HCI learners. Welcome to another episode of Nine to Thrive HR, a podcast for the most pressing issues facing talent management today. A podcast that allows you to hear from experts and practitioners in the field. I'm Aubrey Witte and your host for today. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a rating. It helps other talent-minded people discover this program. For today's podcast, I'm joined by Francesca Gino, a Tandon family professor of business administration at the Harvard's Business School and author of Rebel Talent. Francesca is a behavioral scientist whose latest research shows how conformity is costly to ourselves in terms of our well-being and to the organizations we are a part of, as it lowers engagement, productivity, and innovation. Her research suggests that, despite the fact that being inauthentic feels morally wrong, it is the approach we often use in our social interactions with consequences that we fail to predict, from not getting the job or the date that we hoped for and giving up in the face of challenges, to failing to voice our concerns or point to injustice and not getting the support that one needs to succeed. Gino, the Tandon Family Professor of Business Administration at Harvard Business School, has authored or co-authored more than 100 academic papers and many Harvard Business Review articles on this topic and many others. Francesca is scheduled to present a keynote at our upcoming Learning and Leadership Development Conference, September 18th to 20th, where she'll be delivering her presentation, Rebel Talent, Let Your Employees Rebel. At this time, we'll move into a question and answer session with Francesca. So Francesca, welcome. So nice to be speaking with you. Thank you for having me. Yes. So I think that for most HR executives, the idea of encouraging employees to, quote, break the rules elicits a bit of fear as well as some deep interest. So how can deviating from traditional business norms and fostering a culture of rule breakers actually help increase business performance? It's interesting that you say that the thought can elicit fear, but also some interest for HR executives. I would say that that's even broader, that you can take any leader, no matter what their position in the organization is, and I've talked to many of them, they have this fear. They have the fear that letting people rebel or break rules might end up in complete chaos (laughs) and um, bad performance for their businesses. And the interesting part is that they have it wrong in the sense that what the research that I conducted and the research that others have conducted shows that if we allow people to rebel inside of organizations to break rules, what we are doing is actually creating for them the opportunity to be more engaged in the jobs that they do, uh, more satisfied with their work, being happier in the job, and the results can be quite profound. So for anything that a leader or HR executive might care about, from productivity, performance, the ability of the employee to come up with the innovative ideas, These are all type of outcomes that benefit when people stay engaged in the work that they do. And so allowing people to break rules at work doesn't mean to let them uh, cheat or be dishonest. What it means is allowing them to stay engaged in the work that they do, or at least that's the way I talk about this issue. Great. Thank you. So we're not saying, and you're not advocating for anarchy at work, you're advocating for a little bit more flexibility and employees are empowered and can take ownership of how they go about 
doing their jobs in the best way that they see fit. Yeah, so a big problem for and a big reason for why we see so much disengagement across the globe is the fact that people conform too much. They stick to the rules uh, too often. And what I mean by this is that rather than using their heads, rather than thinking about ways in which they can use their strengths at work, they follow the norms, they follow the behavior of others, or they follow traditions and commonly accepted procedures at work. So they stay with the status quo rather than being curious about alternative ways of operating. Now, it's very important for leaders to think carefully about the balance. So I'm not saying that in any part of the business or the organization's uh, rule breaking should be allowed. And in fact, there should be mechanisms or transparency or clarity about rules that can be broken and rules that cannot be broken. And the best leader, HR executives, or even businesses and organizations have done that. One example comes from a leader who I really admire. Uh, Her name is Melody Opson. She is the president of Aerial Investment, an investment and uh, money management firm based in Chicago. And what she has done is create an environment in the organization and in her interactions with employees at work where she wants to hear their voices. She wants to hear their perspectives. She allows them to fight conformity, to break rules. But... She and others in the executive team are very clear on the rules that cannot be broken. So, for example, if you think about uh, one of the things that is very important to the company is reputations and good relationship with its customers. So every time a document goes out to a customer, there is a process that requires that three different set of eyes need to go over the documents before it's sent out. So that's a a rule and uh, a norm that the business has used for years that cannot be broken. And everybody's very clear on the fact that that is the case, but in other parts of the businesses or for other procedures, people can use their minds and question processes and procedures that are used. Great. Thank you. What are some other examples of how organizations have used this idea of constructive nonconformity to drive innovation and increase their personal as well as their business performance? You talked a little bit about leaders and the rules that they can put into place within their teams, but what about organizations as a whole? Yeah, so first, I think that going back actually to the leadership component of it, Uh, It's important for leaders to show the way. So it's not um, a matter of expecting behaviors of others and never engaging in them uh, in the first place. Employees look around and they look at their leaders and bosses and the culture inside of the organizations to actually see whether the leaders or their bosses are actually walking the talk. And so if we think about maybe what is the most basic strategy is for executives to really wear their nonconformity on their sleeve in the sense that by doing so, they can encourage others to do the same. I can think of uh, another leader that uh, I met that 
was uh, actually a great example of modeling nonconformity for his people. Um, this is a very famous chef. His restaurant was nominated and actually won the award for being the best restaurant in the world in 2016. He's an Italian chef. His name is Massimo Bottura. Very inspiring leader. And in a lot of the things that he does in his business is modeling nonconformity for others. So it can be in very small ways. One of the things that he does, the first thing that he shows up when he uh, goes to the restaurant in the morning is to take a broom, go out uh, in front of the restaurant and start cleaning the street. And you're there, you're a person on the team, you're a sous chef, you are one of the people working in the front of the house, and you're sort of looking at this behavior from the chef and owner of the restaurant, and you start wondering, why him and not me? And so it's sort of fighting common expectations in a way that makes his team and his people realize that nonconformity is accepted, that people should start questioning uh, what comes their way or they should start questioning the status quo in the hope of finding a better way. So one of the behaviors and, and really effective strategies that leaders can use to help promote nonconformity is really modeling the behavior themselves. And they can also uh, point out conformity when they see it. Uh, I want to go back for a second to Melody Opson since she's a great example of that. Sometimes she is in meetings where everybody's agreeing with one another. So there is real no discussion of the issues at the table because everybody's just nodding along and not expressing their views. And she points out the behavior explicitly. <laughs> she would say things like, uh, it's time to make a donut. And by just using that language, she's referring to an ad that Dunkin' Donuts had uh, years ago where you'd see Fred the Baker wake up in the morning and say in a monotone, it's time to make the donuts, and then you would see him in other scenes <laughs> doing the same thing to sort of make the point that we get comfortable with what others are saying, we get comfortable with the status quo, and that's important instead to use our heads uh, look critically at what is being said in a meeting or what procedure is coming our way or that is used in an organization and ask questions about it, express dissent, express alternative viewpoints. And in a sense, we're breaking the rules, but to the benefit of the organization. Great. Thank you. I really like the, the fact that you are redefining, for me anyway, conformity and saying that being a nonconformist doesn't mean that you're turning something on its head, but it means that you are demonstrating behaviors that cause people to question a little bit more and to have a little bit more awareness and kind of examine things with a little bit more detail and attention than what they otherwise might have done. Exactly. It's like asking the question of why are things this way? If I go back to Massimo Bottura, one of the reasons why I was fascinating by learning more about his leadership is that if you take one of the things that really should not be touched is Italian cooking. And in particular, the recipes that have been part of the tradition for <laughs> decades and centuries and the very famous meals that our grandmothers <laughs> used to make 
should still be made in the same way. And what is interesting about him, as you can probably tell I'm Italian, so that's why I was fascinated by his way of breaking the rules, is that he put those traditions in question. So he started looking at common recipes and say, why are we cooking the meat this way? Why are we following this set of rules? And if you actually use your critical mind, you would see that some of these procedures make little sense. Maybe they were interesting or the right procedure at a certain point in time, but now we know that we lose certain properties or certain flavors if we cook the food that way. So he applied his way of uh, being against conformity in thinking through something, in this case Italian traditions, in the case of cooking, and really started pushing for different answers or alternative ways of looking at recipes. And I think that takes courage, but the benefit and the potential good outcomes that come out of it are actually quite good for uh, people inside an organization and the organization itself. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that also that there's an element of bravery, of courage that's required to do that, especially, you know, I, I don't have an Italian grandmother that makes recipes that, you know, came from a book that's many years old. But if I did, I would be so nervous to touch that, you know, and to say and question it. So I think that there's, I, I want to acknowledge the fact that being a nonconformist does take a bit of a leap of faith and in putting yourself out there. And it does, because if you think about it, the reason why we stay with the traditions or um, commonly accepted rules and norms inside of organizations is because that's the status quo. And it's a comfortable space and spot to be in. And moving away from it requires taking some risks and potentially losing a recipe or losing a position that is good and comfortable. And so you're totally right in saying that people have this fear of taking a risk that is not going to pay off and too much focus on the potential of experiencing that loss or doing something that is different from what others are doing um, often is so big that gets us stuck into a place that doesn't allow us to change, to innovate, or to perform at high levels as we could. Great. Thank you. So for our last question, Francesca, I'm curious to know what happens when we extrapolate all of these behaviors to organizations as a whole? How can they really or how have they benefited from using nonconformity to drive and increase their innovation and performance? So if I think about organizations that really embraced this perspective of letting their employees and their leaders break rules. Again, with a clear sense of and, and communications of rules that cannot be broken. Those are the organizations that have been incredibly innovative, that have been able to adapt to changes in their industry, and also organizations that people don't want to leave because you come in and because of the very fact that the organization allows you to think critically about processes and procedures and traditions that are in place and because of the fact that the organization has created a culture where breaking rules rather than conforming all the time is an okay thing to do, 
that's an organization where I feel committed to the work that I'm doing. I'm feeling engaged, and I'd rather stay with rather than leave for a different type of job. So there are all sorts of outcomes at the organizational level in terms of innovations, performance, but also employee engagement that can go a long way of helping the organization be competitive and stay successful. Thank you, Francesca, so much for spending part of your day with HCI and sharing some of this uh, new research on constructive nonconformity in the workplace and some of your insights and examples of that. Thank you. It's, It's such a pleasure to have an opportunity like this one to talk about this topic. We appreciate it. If any of you would like to dive deeper into Rebel Talent and other business case studies, we encourage you to register for HCI's Learning and Leadership Development Conference, which will be held September 18th through the 20th in Chicago. Just click Enroll at the top of the homepage and then click on the range button marked View Conference Schedule to learn more. As always, we thank our listeners for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed what you heard. You can find HCI on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, as well as the YouTube channel HCI Talent. Once more, don't forget to rate HCI on iTunes. We love it when you click five stars for us. And for 9 to Thrive and all of us here at HCI, thank you for listening.